0: Hi, my name's Karen O'Connor and welcome to this episode of the Menopause Marriage and Motherhood podcast. Thanks for tuning in. So I'm here talking today with my amazing mentor and friend Carly Nimmo. Hello Carly. Hello. (laughs) Hello. So We got on the phone yesterday and we had the most incredible conversation and I just wanted to record it so we could share it with everybody because we just had such a good time and we got so deeply into (laughs) stuff.
1: This
0: is going to go out there, can't keep this to ourselves. When I was, to give a bit of background, when I was at a dinner on Sunday, with some friends, one of the ladies said that she felt that basically she was a pretty awesome person. And I was quite taken aback. I thought, oh, wow, what would life look like if I thought that I was basically a pretty awesome person and that it was just about building on that awesome foundation? Not that there was, rather than thinking that there was something wrong with me that I had to fix... And I was trying to get to be an awesome person. How different would life be if I came at it from that different viewpoint? And that was where our conversation started. and we went down this complete rabbit hole, which was just so much fun.
1: <laughs> I actually am feeling pressure to recreate it, but, but I know. I'm gonna, <laughs> but I'm just gonna go with the flow here.
0: <laughs> I, I was thinking the same thing as well, like, oh, how did we start? I'm, so I'm from England, obviously, mm. and there is a real cultural thing that you don't brag about yourself. You don't say good things about yourself. It's, it's just not the dumb thing. And you were reading an yeah. Enid Lighten story to your daughter.
1: That yeah. that was about, what was it called? It was called like, it was part of like um, one of her bedtime series books, things, and it was called something like The Boastful Boy. And it was about this boy who was boasting all the time and how ugly that was. I was reading it to my daughter and I I, like, whenever I read her things that are a bit old school or, you know, like there's a bit of covert sexism or racism in there, I'll often bring it up and have a conversation with my daughter about it while I'm reading it. And this book was like, you know, about this boy and he was boasting and sure he was going a little bit overboard and a bit competitive and a bit like, you know, the energy is different. I think like we Anyway, so I'd said to her, "Oh, that, I don't think this is true. Do you think it's true? Do you think it's true that people who boast are bad?" And she was like, "No." Nah. I was like, "Yeah, neither do I." But that was something that I've had to work on very hard because, like most Australians, there's a th- you know, like there's a thing called tall poppy syndrome, and we're all impacted by it. And for me, I grew up in a house where. Owning that you were beautiful or owning that you were awesome was a pretty unattractive trait. I think that's a pretty standard upbringing, particularly for an Australian or a Brit, really.
0: Mm, Yeah, definitely. And that was the, because my friend, she's Australian, and it it was almost an alien concept that she could make, she could say such a thing. And I think what really struck me was she wasn't bragging about it. It wasn't said in a self-centered, puffed-up kind of way. It was literally just a statement of fact, and I think it was that fact that that it was just like that's the way it is, that made me go, "Oh gosh, <laughs>
1: <That's> weird. <laughs> I think like there, there's an energy difference in it too, right? Like there's there is there's definitely you can feel when there's a a boasting happening from a place of needing to be validated or needing for people like proving that you're worthy. And then there's a different energy to the, Hey, this is just the truth. I'm fucking awesome. You know, there's a, there's a different energy in that.
0: Yeah. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. It was totally an energetic thing. It was really interesting. And then I thought, okay, so life would be so different mm. if, I, if I just believed that everything, I, you know, I got to the end of the day and went, wow, I did a good job there. And that was what you said. What, what yeah. was it you did?
1: So I had a moment, it would have probably been about, I would say it was about 12 years ago now where I was at the height of my depression and anxiety. And I remember looking in the mirror and just hating myself. Like I really despised myself. I was disgusted by me, you know, like just hated myself. And I punched myself, my reflection in the mirror and screamed at myself, I fucking hate you. And then I... I don't know. Like, it was like, I just kind of woke up and I was like, what the fuck am I doing? So I went and sat on the corner of my bed. I can like, I can see myself doing it. And I was bawling my eyes out and my dog came up and he licked my face and stuff. And I just remember having a conversation with myself and it was like, oh, Carly, you just can't go on like this. Like, this is not cool. And so then and there I made this What I, what, like, it's kind of a weird word and we can find better language for it, but like a sacred contract with myself, which was really just a promise that I wanted to do better and, and be better. So this sacred promise was that I wanted to be able to look at myself in the mirror at the end of the day, because I had just punched my own reflection in the mirror, you know, so like really did not like seeing myself. And if I could look at myself in the mirror at the end of the day and be happy with the person that was looking back at me, that would be a good day. And so that became my guiding mantra, I guess, like the the thing that I live by now. So ev- and it guides everything that I do. It's not just about being a nice person and and being accommodating for everyone and a people pleaser, because that would mean that I would be looking in the mirror and I would have been compromising my own values for the sake of somebody else's feelings. So that's not what this is about. It's not being a good person on the outside. It's actually being happy with how you showed up for yourself and how you, and that doesn't mean being an asshole to other people, but it does mean, you know, having firm boundaries and knowing what is okay with you and what's not, and being willing to have uncomfortable conversations. It's pretty much like living vulnerably 24-7, <laughs> because the places where it's led me has been really confronting. I've had to confront some pretty big stuff, and I've had to, you know, it's, it's meant that, when something happens i have to choose whether or not this is something i can let go or whether it's something i have to confront and i am a person who spent the first 30 of my 30 years of my life anyway avoiding any kind of confrontation so it's it's not easy but it does mean that i think i'm pretty awesome and i can go to bed at night most nights and you know, and sleep well and know that I'm, I don't know, like, I think um, one of my friends is the author Bronnie Ware, who wrote the top five regrets of the dying. One of them is that you know, you get to the end of your life and you haven't lived the life you thought you wanted to, or will be something along those lines. It's way more succinct than that. But, you know, like basically I, I didn't want to get to the end of my life and have regrets. And I knew that the regrets wouldn't be the things that I did or didn't do, but who I was, you know, I didn't want to get to the end of my life and think, oh, I wish I had had that conversation with that person, or I wish I had showed up for myself more. I wish I had done the things that mattered. And so using this nightly check-in with myself guides everything that I do, everything.
0: It's also about, oh, I hate this term, speaking your truth. Right. So when you're in a conversation with somebody, not or when somebody does something that oversteps your boundaries or is, goes against your value, for me it's like going against your values. Right. You don't keep quiet because then you're holding on to it and that feeling of being repressed mm. would contribute to not feeling, well, You then you don't feel good enough because you're feeling repressed. Mm. Whereas if you come from, well, basically, basically I'm awesome and I have a right to an opinion and it's okay that I feel this way, then that's a completely different outlook on life and completely different conversations that you're going to have, because it's not about making anybody wrong. It's just about state in a position.
1: Right. And, you know, I have this saying and how I kind of summarize depression in my own experience. And actually, I had a podcast called Make Some Noise, where I explored the connections between mental health And self-expression and creativity. And it's vitally important because for me, depression is the suppression, right? Like it's suppression, swallowing it down, swallowing it down. And that can be your feelings. That can be things that you want to say. It can be who you are. We're suppressing ourselves constantly. And at some point you suppress, 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 suppress. And I had the feeling of, you know, depression sits at the back of my throat and it's like somebody asks how I'm feeling and I can feel the tears welling up. It's right here. I've swallowed everything down so much that it's at, sitting at the back of my throat. And it just takes one person to ask who I am. it's a It's a very uncomfortable place to be. And that suppression, when it gets to the point where you've suppressed so much that it's there, it's natural that it's going to want to depress, right? And the depress is like the the opening up of all that suppressed shit. And it can, it you know, it can show up in different ways. But for me, it showed up as a complete numbness, a lack of connection to myself, a lack of connection to anyone around me. And, you know, and I've spent the last 12 years reconnecting to myself, really. But that expression of what is happening for us is vitally important for everyone's mental well-being and expression can look so different for so for different people you know for me it's absolutely about using my voice and Uh, you know, I podcast as a, as like, kind of like a mental health program, really. It's like my way of staying well is making sure that I'm connected and speaking my truth for want of a less wanky term, but speaking what I'm feeling in the moment, what's on my mind, what's on my heart. uh, It has to be expressed because when it's suppressed, all it does is eat us up inside. And it's, you know, if you think about the way, you know, I think about, I think about passive aggressiveness a lot, Because it's kind of like, and I know we talked about this a bit yesterday, where um, we have those parts of ourselves that when we repress, they come out in passive ways. They still exist and sometimes they come out in uglier ways than if we'd actually just confronted what we were dealing with, you know, and spoke up. Rather than keeping it in, when we keep it in, it festers and it's like a cancer living inside us all this anger and hatred, and there, you know. And but it's all about us and the way we feel about ourselves and the lack of respect we have for ourselves when we don't speak our truth. So yeah, it's it's like I feel like it's fundamental to our well-being as a human being. Like we we focus so much on like, you know, feeding ourselves good food and moving our body and self-care this and self-care that, but we're actually doing nothing that's really self-respectful or um, you know, I'm big on the self-acceptance piece over self-care. So, yeah, so holding on to that shit just does no one any good. It has to find an expression.
0: I had actually never thought of depression in those terms and that makes the best sense ever to me because if I think about when I was depressed a few years ago, that was my exact experience. Mm. I couldn't talk about anything. I wasn't explaining to anybody what was going on. I was stopping myself in every single regard from doing anything that I enjoyed doing and constantly putting not just other people first, but it's like I had to do things that justify my existence. Mm-hmm. Like That's literally what I said to myself. I've got to justify my existence and ended up with this massive depression. I mean, there was a few other things as well, like having operations and not being able to exercise and stuff like that that contributed to it. But then if I think about that now, the inability to exercise probably brought everything to the fore sooner because that was probably helping to prolong. It's an outlet it, of think.
1: expression. Yeah. You know, movement yeah. is an is an expression. If you think about um, you know, something I explored on Make Some Noise was somatic experiencing where we, um, you know, a form of therapy where we release our feelings through movement. And so movement is a big piece of mental wellness too. It's, it's you know, exercise is an expression. Dance is an expression. Um, and I think it's really important to remember that like our expression... Uh, doesn't necessarily have to look a certain way. Mine just looks like speaking my truth. This is my expression, right? But other people express through art. Some people express through music. Some people express through cooking. You know, whatever we can do to find outlets of expression is what's important. It's not how it looks. It's There's not a right way to express yourself. It just has to feel like it's it, it's a, a healthy expression because I feel like um, one thing that particularly women Really struggle with is feelings of anger, jealousy, resentment. You know, all of those kind of what we would label as ugly feels. No judgment there. Then. Yeah, right. <laughs> like um, things, and they're so they're the parts of us that we try to hide from the world, but they exist. And when they're repressed, then it's it's really not great for our physical health or our emotional well being. And so we can express that in so many different ways, but it's important that like, I feel like women in particular are really shut down from anger a lot of the time and they don't have a healthy expression of it. Instead, it comes out in, in like kind of like venomous ways, (laughs) which is, which is actually worse than if you just gave yourself the outlet of going to boxing to get it all out or allow, you know, I have, I have so many tools around anger because I, I can see how, how powerful it is and how quickly we can allow it to move through us. If we just actually allow it to move through us instead of like, oh no, I'm feeling angry. Somebody's going to, you know, like somebody's going to judge me for being a shit mum because I'm angry or whatever, whatever it is, um, whatever judgment we have about anger. It's, it's a useless expression. It's pointless. You know, there's a lot of, lot of, it's, it's not safe for me to feel angry. There's a lot of stuff that women have around anger, but for me, I actually since particularly I guess since the last 10 years I feel like a big portion or not a big portion but the first move for me was for me to start reconnecting to feeling because I had been very numb to it and so experiencing anger had felt really really bizarre I did feel I feel like I did feel a bit of anger while I was while I was depressed but I didn't really have healthy expressions for it so yeah. So essentially like I've got, I've got tools that I use when it comes to anger. Like, you know, I give myself permission to jump in my car, go for a drive and just scream, Fuck you! you know, and like <laughs> whatever, angry music thrashing around. Anger is something that we as women need to connect to and allow in order for us to be able to channel it better, I guess. Yeah. Practice.
0: I yeah. Suppose, isn't it? And. Yeah. and- Letting it out in a, not productive, what's the word I'm looking for? In um, I'm sorry, I'm having a real menopause day today. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the words have just gone somewhere but you. they're not available. To, to the best right of us. <laughs> Yeah, but I get what you're saying. Product, productive is, it's not the right, it's not the right constructive. word. But constructive. 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 That's yeah. the
0: one I was looking for.
1: Totally, <laughs> yeah. In a constructive way because you're
0: quite right. I mean, for me, it comes out in resentment and passive aggressiveness. I do get really passive aggressive if I'm pissed off and I don't feel like I can say So anything. do I. Like
1: my husband, he turns around and I'm like two birds, like mouthing out bark you but like not loud enough for him to hear so it's just like that's sh- that shit is ugly right <laughs> like, like it's and it's, it's not very healthy have but here's the thing right like had we been able to connect to what we were feeling and to have a healthy expression of those feelings in ways that we can connect with, which isn't like you know, you're an asshole, you did this wrong, you, 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 when we can own that, hey, actually, this is me, like, this is, these are my feelings. And this is my reaction to something. And, and this is within my control. If I'm not speaking up for my needs, then it's my responsibility to be able to find ways to voice those needs. Because I I think like a lot of the time, also, we think that the people around us are mind readers. And they can energy and they can't let's let's be real, they can energetically feel our fuck you energy <laughs> but they often don't know what it's about, you know that, unless we've right. unless we've been explicit in our expression of that.
0: Yeah, my kids used to say when they walked through the door, they knew when I was in a bad temper, and they'd <laughs> like creep off in different directions so they didn't have to see me like, "Oh God," and I, I hadn't even said anything, but they got it as soon yeah, as yeah they can came feel and, it people Um, feel it.
1: (laughs) I mean, sometimes you can feel the person or I can, I don't know if it's, if it's true for everyone, but like, you know, the person behind you at the supermarket, you can feel them energetically, like hurry up. Or can you, you know, like in the when I'm driving my car, I can sometimes energetically feel someone like someone's impatience sitting on my ass, you know, and I, and I can feel that. Um, So, so we, (laughs) but also not my problem, right? Like I'm just driving my car at the speed limit, dickhead. Um, So (laughs) those kind of, those kind of, um, you know, car scenarios are hard because we can't express ourselves other than like tooting or (laughs) fingers or whatever. But the more that we practice like expression in other areas, the less it kind of impacts us in that way, you know? The thing
0: underneath that, though, is I don't know that half the time we're aware of what what it is we're experiencing. I don't think we can actually identify the emotions that are coming up for us because we have suppressed them, being English, being Australian, English, you know, it's, it's something like those bad emotions, the fears and the resentments and the anger and all of that other stuff. I don't think half the time we can actually put a label to them because we don't know what they are. We just feel off Mm. or we've just got this simmering something underneath. And that is possibly one of the reasons why we can't express it and they get suppressed because we don't know what the hell they are. We just know that we don't like feeling it. So it can just go away and sit somewhere else because we don't know what's going to happen. It's a fear of the unknown as much as anything
1: possibly. Yeah, totally, and like, yeah, a hundred percent. I feel like, um, for me, things changed, or things things continue to change. The more curious I become about stuff, right? So it's like, oh gosh, what is this feeling? What am I feeling now? You know, like when I'm having an interaction with someone and I can feel, sense myself tensing up, you know, it's about the quality of questions that we ask ourselves really, because we can go through life just having these feelings and being like, you know, suppressing them, suppressing them and just moving through life in that manner for the rest of time. And then dying young because we were such a, I don't know, asshole to ourselves, or we live a miserable long life because we're such an asshole to ourselves. But for me, things shift when the more curious I become. So what is this tense feeling I'm feeling? And, you know, when I first started working in the feeling space in terms of like, you know, had a therapist and was working on like, oh, what is this feeling? What am I feeling right now? It really did become around asking myself the questions about that, right? Because sometimes we are so suppressed when it comes to these feelings that it's just like a not good feeling. And we don't really have any more understanding of it than it feels yuck. But when we start connecting, and this was something that I, I, this was actually one of the first practices I ever did, which has stayed with me forever, which was, the more present we can stay, because we go through life on autopilot a lot of the time, you know, we're just like in the car driving. And then we're like, how the fuck did I get here? I don't remember going through any lights. What, you know, we're just like, we're not, we're just, we're just going through life on autopilot. And I feel like the more present we are, the the less that happens. But being present is really hard because life is full a lot of the time and it's busy and we're constantly distracted. So the first thing I ever did um, when it came to this, I think it might've been, Oh, I had this really awesome, but bizarre um, naturopath when I was living on the mid North coast. And she was like a, like a witch naturopath, you know, you'd go in, she had all her potions and she, and she would be, she'd talk about your energy and stuff. She was so cool. Anyway, she was like, Oh, your energy is like, all over the place. And so she asked me to just set an alarm on my phone every hour on my watch or whatever to go off and do a presence practice, really. So each time it would go off, I would just bring my energy, practice bringing my energy back into me. It sounds a bit weird, but basically all I was doing was connecting to my senses. So once an hour, bing, 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 what can I smell? What can I hear? What can I taste? What am I feeling? You know, just like take a moment to connect to where I am. And, you know, I can feel my bum on my seat. I can feel my feet on the floor, just that kind of shit. And just the regular practice of that really helped me to be able to connect more to the feelings that I was having. And then slowly begin to connect the dots between them, you know, but We have to be present in order to be, uh, we have to be, we have to be present, but we also have to be willing to be with whatever we're feeling too, right? Like, and not, not deny and push it to the side or sweep it under the carpet. Like so many humans are do with their lives, just like lift up the rug, sweep it under there. It's all good. And then you walk in, like, you can't even walk on a rug that's, you know, like, ouch, got all Lego pieces underneath the rug. Like, no, thank you. (laughs) So we got to lift the rug up and have a look what's fucking under there, you know? Speaking of that, with that analogy, when
0: you're a mum, you do have to suppress a lot of your feelings because when you've got toddlers or little oh babies and they're being little total little shits, you can't have a conversation with them and talk about your feelings and they're not going to let you be when they want something and you're going, just give me five minutes, seriously? Give me five minutes. It never happens. Yeah. So as a mum, you have to learn how to. Okay, I need to give that up and just deal with whatever's in front of me.
1: Yeah. So there is a little bit of training in sweeping stuff under the carpet as well. Yeah, totally. I feel like I feel like in that respect, I've probably been a pretty shit mum um, <laughs> because because I'm not great at regulating my emotions. Well, not that I'm not great at regulating them, but um, you know well, I'm really big on human design, as you know. And um, there's there's two types of people, people who are emotionally defined, which I am not, and people who are emotionally defined, which my daughter is. And when you're not emotionally defined and you're around someone who is emotionally defined, it's very easy for us to go on their emotional waves. And they're not even ours. They were just like on the wave. So I am often picking up on my daughter's feelings and amplifying them and all that all I need to do all I' need to do I've figured out is to actually remove myself from her and then the the feelings go away because I'm actually just on her ride and so you know but but I haven't been like I guess like that awareness has been more recent my daughter's six and a half now yeah and yeah I wasn't great at kind of regulating myself but I've also, Even though, even from as young as like baby, I guess, I've still had conversations with her about it, even though she wasn't probably able to understand, I've always had conversations with her about feelings. It's been something that was really important to me because of the, I guess my, my family history is, you know, one of not being very deeply connected to emotions And there's numerous reasons, war, all kinds of, you know, my parents' generation often weren't as connected to their emotions because, you know, their parents were in the depression and war and, you know, emotions weren't really that, they were always seen as a weakness. And so I want to make sure that my daughter's really connected to her emotions and she's okay with them. And the best way for me to model that is for me to allow my own emotions and talk about it, you know? So I feel like, yeah, I don't know. There's, I, I did a really great podcast interview on Make Some Noise with a friend of mine, Alison Davies, and she does, um she has this brain care or brain management program. And the conversation that I had with her was really interesting and it was about anger. And Yeah, and just the, like, I was like, oh, you know, sometimes I get so angry I just, like, get the shit off my desk and I, like, push it off and I, you know, have, like, total raging things and it's not very healthy. And she was like, why Why do you say it's not really healthy to express anger that in that way? I was like, well, you know, she goes, is it hurting anyone? I'm like, well, no, not really. And she goes, well, then it's a healthy expression, right? But what happens when we're not healthily expressing ourselves is that it does become an anger that hurts people. And so, yeah. And so from that perspective, I don't know. Like sometimes I feel like, yeah, maybe I'm fucking my kid up a bit um, by being an emotional being, but we're all emotional beings. And I think the more compassion and understanding we can have for ourselves, the more compassion and understanding we have for other people. And then also the more connected we are to our emotions and the more understanding and compassionate we are of our emotions and others' emotions, then, then we wouldn't have shit like depression and anxiety as as rife as they are. They're, they're in epidemic levels, mostly because of the disconnection from ourselves, our truth, and our feelings.
0: So can I ask you something really personal? Yes. How is life different now to what it was before you started saying to yourself, you know, that I'm actually a basically awesome person and going to bed at the end of each day? Actually, we need to talk about that as well, about the the self-expression and boundaries thing but going to bed at the end of each day going I'm actually really happy with who I've been today and I'm actually really proud of myself how is life different for you now to what it was before you started doing that
1: Uh, totally different
0: you know how does it impact you your everyday actions your daily actions as well sorry yeah (laughs) yeah no no
1: so well it impacts everything right so before I was I feel like I was almost like, you know, the whole, uh, what would you say? Okay. So when I was a teenager, I was, the, I was just the stereotypical 90s grunge teenager. I was angry. I listened to Nirvana rape me over and over again. I was like a cliche stereotype teenager, angry, bitter, fuck the world, all that kind of shit. And I feel like I, feel like I carried that through all my twenties, you know, like really bitter, not bitter and angry, like, okay. So then, so then I moved into avoiding myself, which looked like partying a lot, a lot of, a lot of drinking, a lot of drugs, a lot of good times because, but good times because I could be myself when I was under the influence of drugs and alcohol, it was like, oh, wow, I'm free. Yay. And then the rest of my life was dealing with the hangover of that. And so then when I, I guess like that's one thing that's very different. I rarely drink anymore where for the first, I would say until I got pregnant with my daughter, I was think I was 36 when I fell pregnant with Mabel. Before that, I had not gone a single weekend without being blotto at least two nights of it since I was like probably 15. So, yeah, and now like I will have a cocktail every now and then or a glass of bubbles or something, but I don't, I, don't, I don't get fucked up anymore really because I feel like I'm free to be me regardless. Now, this is an area that I'm still working on because there's areas where I feel like I still hold myself back for sure but for the most part i'm happy with who i am so i don't need to avoid myself anymore so that has changed that has changed a lot of those kind of destructive behaviors that i had it's also changed like i was someone who never ever could be alone i just did i would distract myself i'd be doing anything to avoid being by myself and now i mean i could happily exist on my own <laughs> not that like, I still love people and I still love connecting with people, but I I don't need it anymore. Um, because I, I really enjoy, you know, my worst nightmare would have been, oh my God, going to lunch with myself. (gasps) That would just be like, not, and now I can't think of anything better. I would like, I love going away for a few days by myself and just like being in my own energy by myself. I'd love that. So I guess like, in a big picture that's how my life has changed is i'm no longer in avoidance of me in really any way whether that is numbing through drugs alcohol food sex whatever whatever the chosen Avoidance tactics are for us. (laughs) I don't really have them as much anymore. I still probably emotionally eat a bit, but no one's perfect. And I feel like it's also really important to say that it's not that my life looks perfect now either. I'm not like on some mountain, like free of bad feels. I still have all the bad feels. I just don't hate myself in them, which is, yeah, nice actually. (laughs) And I move through things way quicker. I used to get stuck in shit a lot, you know, like some, something would happen and it would trigger me doubting myself. And then I would just spiral out of control and I would stay there for a while where now, now I just shift through things really quickly because emotion moves through us very quickly when we don't attach ourselves to it, you know, and part, I mean, avoidance is also a way of attaching, right? Like what we resist, persists. It's a cliche saying for a reason. So on a, on a big level, I guess that's how my life is different on a, on a day to day, minute to minute experience, I guess the way it looks different is choice. You know, each moment I get to choose, am I going to honor myself here (laughs) or am I not? And then, you know, I feel like, I feel like half, half of, The A lot of the last 10 years has been me just reconciling myself with myself, if that makes sense. I don't know if that makes any sense, but it's like reconciling. So if you think about bookkeeping, reconciling, where we're getting all the numbers and we're making sure it all matches up or whatever, and we're bringing it into alignment, really. I guess that's what reconciling means to me. It means bringing myself into alignment with my own values. And then allowing that to be the thing that guides me. And integrity is a big value for me. So in order for me to be in in integrity with myself, I need to be constantly checking in and making choices that align with that. So that's how I guess minute by minute it looks, just a constant, yeah, is this in alignment? Am I going to feel good about this? What do I need to say here to feel okay about myself?
0: One of the things that came up on the weekend because I was on a, program on the weekend and one of the exercises we did was to we spent 25 minutes it was about five or six of us just going round each person and saying what do I like about my life Mm. not what do I love about my life because there's a lot of meaning added to that you know but what do I like about my life so it was things like I like talking to my friends on Skype and I'm doing, or Zoom and I'm doing more of it now than I've ever done before, or I like listening to the birds in the trees, or I like walking on the beach. It was lots of little things and what really struck me was and, and it struck me when we were talking yesterday as well in around this subject was that life is actually made up of lots of little things that we really enjoy but we don't put any value on them because we focus on one or two things that we don't like. And it's the same in how we are for ourselves. And that's what you're saying, basically, it's just all those little decisions. Oh, well, I like that. And I like that. It doesn't have to be this massively, oh, I'm in love with myself thing. It's kind of in that great, you know, I get it. I couldn't do it. It's not for me. But there's a lot of little things I can go. Yeah, I like myself for doing that or I like it when I do that or it's really cool when I do that. And when you add up all the little likes, it's like, oh, all the little things could actually add up to a pretty cool person rather than focusing on the fact that I forgot whose cup of tea it was the other night and gave it to the wrong person and felt like a complete moron because I obviously wasn't present when I was asking who wanted what tea. And it's, it's a tiny incident that the woman probably won't even remember, but I could, and did, make into this massive deal and made it mean heaps of stuff, you know? Totally. Forgetting about all the other little things that happened.
1: And, you know, and I will say I'm not immune to that, right? Like my husband, he often says, God, sometimes you're just so hard on yourself. And it'll be stupid stuff. Like sometimes... I, so I, I often have like a bit of the shakes, like a, it's like an adrenaline thing anyway. So sometimes I'll pick things up and they'll just like slide out of my hands. And, and then, and then I just crack the shits with myself. Like, fuck, you idiot. But then, but then I'm also quick to pick myself up on that, you know, because I think this is the whole thing, right? This is all practice. It's all just practicing. So we're just constantly practicing like, oh, fuck, you can allow that, you know, a a friend of mine on one of my podcast episodes ages ago, years ago, brought up the, you know, which wolf do you feed thing? And it's kind of like that. That's like the whole things I like about myself, things I don't like about myself. You know, it's like, which wolf are you feeding? Because you get a choice which one you want to feed. And also when I drop the thing and my instinct is to go, oh, you're a dickhead. But then guess what happens? The other wolf comes in and says, hey, it's all good. It's just fucking mince meat. Pick it up. You know? So the more that you the more that you feed that good wolf, the more that it it's kind of like the good and the bad angel on your shoulder, right? And you've got this bad angel on your shoulder who's telling you everything that you've ever fucked up in your life, and then you've got the good angel, and the more that you feed the good angel, the more she comes in as a consoler, and she's like, "Hey, just let that shit go. it's all good. You're a good person. you did a good job. You did what you could with what you had high five, and then you know there's a little inside high five that goes on and and then I'm like, yeah." you asshole you know but actually to the other angels not to myself but to the other angel who actually is me too so but the, the the other asshole like we were talking about this yesterday is is a protection it's a it's a it's a it's all different parts of you that have been created through your life through the experiences that you've had and they have been there to serve a purpose and they're not assholes they're just trying to look out for you and the more that you can reconcile that Part of you along with the good. Cause you know, yesterday we were talking about how I wrote a piece a while, like years ago, actually about how y- there's, there's like, if you think of life as a spectrum, on one end of the spectrum, we've got someone like Oprah who is aspirational. She's been through a lot. She's so inspiring. And, and, and we want to see ourselves in her, you know, we want to, we want to think that we're like Oprah. And on the other end is a homeless dude who probably has a few mental health challenges and is drinking out of a paper bag. We don't want to, we don't want to associate ourselves with that person, but we're actually all the same. So when it comes to like, it's just that we, you know, we don't want to see ourselves as that. We'd rather want to be Oprah, but both of those bits of us exist. And so it's about loving both of those parts, the the pretty part and the ugly part. And then- I mean then imagine what you can do when when you actually like all of yourself and you actually do think you're awesome, even the shit bits are awesome. Yeah, that's a that's a challenge. <laughs> yeah, it is a challenge. It's totally a challenge.
0: It's a subject that I'm kind of it's just made me think. It's really brought me up short and made me go, uh. Oh. Because I know I've been, you know, I've been reading personal development stuff for nearly twenty years. I know all this stuff, but then something comes along and just jigs everything. And that's mm. where I'm at at the moment. Like. And especially because you know, a lot of the, you know, I'm going off on a weird tangent. A lot of the personal development books are written using specific terms that I find a mm. little bit wanky, for a better expression. And and there's no other terms we can come up with. We were talking about this yesterday, yeah. you know, the self-love and the... Honouring those... yourself and speaking your truth. Oh, and... Just... <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and so it's just, it's kind of opened up a lot of stuff that I dismissed because of the terminology that was being used.
1: Well, I was actually thinking about how, you know, the, the one of the flaws of personal development is it requires you to see yourself as broken.
0: Oh my God, that is such a good point. It does, doesn't it?
1: Mm. Yes. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of my work in the world is helping people recognize that they aren't broken. And and this is what the work that I I personally do in the world is. It's about, you know, it's not about improving yourself. It's about accepting yourself. Once you accept yourself, there's no resistance to improving yourself but what when you're trying to improve yourself it's actually reinforcing that there's something wrong with you yeah yeah and there's not like it's okay for us to feel shit about ourselves we can change it if we want to we don't have to but we can't we can't actually change it until we do accept it otherwise we're just in resistance and then guess what happens persistence <laughs> Yeah. So a lot of, I find a lot of personal development, because I've done a lot of personal development over the last 20, 25 years, and most of it, all it did was reinforce the fact that I felt shit about myself.
0: Yeah. Highlighted what doesn't work and what right. I don't like.
1: Yeah. yeah. And how different I am, you know, like, oh, I can't make that work because, like, what a failure. You know, you're just <laughs> yeah. a failure. You fuck up everything. You know, all of, yeah. all of those good stories.
0: And then, and then there's all the comparing. Oh my God, they got this massive breakthrough. And I didn't think that was that important yes. anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean we can learn so much. This is, you know, the one of the key things or in the work that I do personally is around observing. You know, observing my thoughts, observing my feelings around things and then yeah, like getting curious as to why. And sometimes I can do it so much that it fucks me up and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so over questioning the questioning. But for the most part, it's actually pretty helpful until I get into that energy. And then it's like, okay, dude, time for a break. (laughs) But you know, like observing those stories that we have. One, One that I used to have all the time was like, you know, I'd go to events and I'd see someone speaking or, and I still sometimes have this, this is like, oh my God, this is real total truth. You know, when you're like, oh, I could have fucking done that better. I could have written that book. I could have done, you know, but the point, but then the point becomes like, well, but you're not. So shut the fuck up. Like when you're writing the book, (laughs) then, then, then you can criticize somebody else's uh, (laughs) work. But when you're not writing the book, shut up. (laughs) you know, but like having like curiosity leads me to that place too. Cause it's like, well, why am I having this judgment of someone else? Ah, it's because I actually want to write a book and I'm not giving myself permission to do that. So yeah, I think that's something most of us can relate to.
0: <laughs> oh, totally. That, that friend that um, made the comment on Sunday night about how she was basically awesome. There was somebody playing some music had the most amazing singer there. And she started playing this song and everybody got up to dance. And what I noticed was that that woman went and stood in front of the mirror. She actually moved so she was in front of the mirrors. And I was just really curious. I'm like, wow, isn't it fascinating that she enjoys her own company so much that she feels comfortable with looking at herself while she's doing things she wasn't doing it in a voyeuristic kind of way it was just she's just in the space of I'm really cool and I was just because like you I'm an observer I've got to watch people and I've got to try and understand things and I was like ah, this is this is really really interesting And
1: it's, I find like, I also think like, obviously now is the time for this to all have come up for you because Mm. if it had happened and like, I don't want to put you in a box here or anything, but like uh, from my own experience, I, if uh, there were times where I would see someone like that and be like, ew. Yeah,
0: me too. Totally.
1: And now I see it and I'm like, Hey sister, high five, high five. You are (laughs) rocking. right? Uh, But there were times where I was like, ew, up herself much? Because I was so in such a shit place myself, you Mm. know, hurt people, hurt people. And, but they hurt themselves more than they hurt others, (laughs) (laughs) which is, which is sad. So, but you know, know like, what's that?
0: We both know that.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So like that, I think that's, I think that's a, a key to showing how far you've come is Mm. the willingness to go, hey, this person likes herself and I like that she likes herself.
0: Yeah. I just, I was just like, wow. And do you know what else is really interesting? I was talking, I was having this conversation, or is it, Jesus. I was, (laughs) (laughs) menopause. (laughs) You've got all this to come, mate. Yeah, Um, I'm
1: feeling it. And the hormones. hormones. I I feel like I've only just gotten over baby brain.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God, yeah. No, I went from baby brain straight into menopause because I'm the last one when I was 40. So (laughs) the time I was getting over that, perimenopause was hitting. When I was talking to my daughter about this this morning and explaining it to her and and telling her what my friend had said, she went, I've been doing that since I was 15, Mum. I'm like, are you kidding me? She said, no, when... And I'm going to have a conversation with her next week. She had a couple of serious falls off a horse. She got thrown off twice in the space of a few weeks and ended up with such a severe concussion that she had to have six months off school. And when she went back to school, because she was at an equestrian based school, so it was horse riding based. But obviously she couldn't ride horses because Mm. of this concussion. And the girls were really mean to her. They were just saying, Oh, you've just lost your nerve, you just use it as an it as an excuse. You don't want to do stuff. And they were really, really cruel to her. And she said during that time, she decided that the only way she was gonna get through it was to keep saying to herself, I'm awesome. I'm really awesome. She said, So when I meet my friends now, I'm always telling them that I'm really awesome. <laughs> you've never shared this with me and about 12 months ago she was telling me she said oh I had this weirdest experience last night because one of my friends came up to me and he was quite drunk and he said to me oh Kira I think I'm in love with you she said do you know what I did Mum? I high-fived him and went woo yay good on you
1: (laughs) oh my god that is so cool (laughs)
0: That came up for me when she was telling me because I'm like, Of course, that is the action that would have come out of it rather than an embarrassment of not knowing how to deal with it. Right, dealt with it from the space of, Well, yeah, of course you would be. Of
1: course, I mean, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) I love that. That is so cool. I feel like, well, I'm hopeful that this, like the, the next generation of children that are nearing adulthood, don't have the same level of fucked upness that we have. And, you know, I, yeah, I feel like they will be more connected emotionally and more connected to themselves. And, yeah, I feel like we are moving towards a, uh, oh, God, I hate these words, but like a new <laughs> paradigm or a new state of consciousness where, where, you know, where we will really value individuality you know, and, and we see, I feel like when we, we can see where we're heading sometimes just by looking at what's happening in Disney movies. <laughs> <laughs> so right now what's happening is a lot of inclusion. Hopefully this is where we're heading. Inclusion. Yeah, inclusion and individuality. I feel like that's where we're heading. And if we look at the movies that are coming out at the moment and the shows that are coming out for the younger generation, oh, my God, I feel so old. What am I even fucking saying? I know, right? But, like, when you look at that, you can see that that is where we're heading. And that brings me a lot of hope because I feel like when we're more connected to ourselves and our individuality and we're not shutting ourselves down and we're we're being truly who we are and who we were born, to be then the rest just comes much easier so that's pretty exciting I reckon
0: oh it's very exciting look talking to my four but my eldest is 25 26 he's just turned 26 and they are in a completely different space mm. to where certainly where I was when I was growing up in terms of acceptance of themselves yeah. and of others and of other people's differences and people's opinions it's okay for people to believe what they believe there's just mm-hmm. a lot more well yeah of course you're like that because that's your experience and that's what you need to have and there's less of them making wrong it doesn't mean that they all think they're perfect and they've got nowhere yeah. to go because that's not it there's just like this foundation that's already cool, and then you know you just build on it in whatever right. direction you want to. And I find that fantastic. Yeah, you really do. I it's think a
1: shame it's right we've hope. had to spend the best part of forty something years undoing all, <laughs> so that we could just be like our kids.
0: Yeah, I know. We'll just watch what they do, though. You will be fine. I can't believe Kira didn't tell me. I'm absolutely bloody furious with her. Like seriously, you could have just told me that. It would have saved me a lot of problems. <laughs>
1: but had you heard it before, like, this is the whole thing. Oh God. Another, another term divine time, right? Like (laughs) these things do unfold in perfect time.
0: I was going to say to you before, maybe we should hold this big online workshop of people who are more down to earth and see if we can come up with some- With better terms than divine time. (laughs) (laughs) And your radiant self and all
1: that. Yeah. Well, I haven't gone down the whole 3D, 5D thing, like, you know, not like 3G, 5G, but like 3D, 5D consciousness. (laughs) Anyway. Oh, whatever. Yeah.
0: I, I think that's, we've just about covered it, do you think? Yeah, I think oh, so. We've been going
1: for a fair while now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly an hour. So yeah, I think that'll do.
1: Hopefully yeah. we've covered some stuff.
0: <laughs> well, we've had a good time anyway. I've yeah, really that's it. Myself. That's
1: the main thing.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it.
1: My pleasure. Anytime.
0: Oh, thank you. It's always such a joy talking to you. It's so cool. I have such a good time when we talk. Really Me too.
1: It. And, uh, yeah, and like I said yesterday on your Facebook post, I think you're pretty awesome.
0: Oh, thank you. <laughs> that was you. Cool. Thank you so much, actually. That was absolutely brilliant. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood podcast don't forget that all the links and information that we've spoken about in this podcast is available on the podcast page of my website. Thanks so much for listening. I'm looking forward to talking to you again next time. Bye for now.